station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I am your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, movie conspirator, <laughs> Melissa Kersher. Hello. And movie completely in the darker, yeah, uh, That's Jenny probably Young. the most accurate one you've ever given It me. may be. It may be. Movie um, in the darker. That in is In the me. darker. We're um, <laughs> Normally, I plan these a little more ahead of time today. Clearly, I did not. Yeah, but that's uh, that's all right. So I, I was wondering if you were debating to call me movie deep throat. Well, <laughs> I guess, I, uh, I, I actually mean... thought of that for a moment and then opted against it. <laughs> yes. So uh, for for obvious reasons, <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, but you will. <laughs> so anyway, you will soon. You will soon. So uh, the movie we are watching today is All the President's Men. Yay. So as we always start out our podcast, uh, Jenna, please tell us what you know about All the President's Men. It's a movie about Watergate. It All is right. Yes. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> That's what I know about it. Okay. And you, you're not, you didn't it, learn but... that just because Melissa mentioned Deep Throat. No, I actually have no idea what that. Oh, has to so do. when you say about Watergate, you literally know virtually nothing about Watergate except that it was yeah. a thing. It was a thing. It was it was a, a Nixon thing, and there were a lot of people involved with it, but I don't know exactly what it was. Okay. What it was about. All right. Okay. So I'm. I, History has never been my strong suit. <laughs> Even recent history, actually, especially recent history. Get me, get me further back, and that's, that's, that's fun to read about. That's but fine. So this is a, um, you know, I meant to look this up ahead of time. I know this movie is at least Oscar nominated, if not a uh, winner for best picture. Um, um, let's see. It, it was 1976. So let's see. 76. Well, then it probably wasn't. But uh, it won four Oscars, uh, including best. Actor in a supporting role, and best writing, and best art direction, and best sound. So, uh, not it best was picture, it, but yeah, it was nominated for best picture, but it and, did not win, and a few so. other things. So, uh, and uh, this ties back to Spotlight, which is the last movie we uh, watched mm -hmm. on this on this uh, ha happy little podcast, in that it is also a film that is not necessarily you see. It, it is about Watergate, but it's really about the investigation of Watergate. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a uh, newspaper film. It's a mm -hmm. newspaper reporter's uh, uncovering a story. Yes. Film. Mid the story that they are uncovering, as as Jenna clearly knows, yeah. is Watergate. Watergate. Yeah. yeah. And, and specifically, it's Bernstein and Woodward. You know, the two people who, you know. Pretty much tapped into and uncovered the Watergate scandal. Mm -hmm. I think this also represents the first time we are encountering Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. I think you were correct. On this podcast. Yeah. So that's pretty important. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Because those are two very notable actors uh, from the 70s, uh, from the 60s and 70s and onward. Until now, mm -hmm. in fact. Mm -hmm. But um, this is a really important film for both of them. Mm -hmm. um, even though, uh, by this point, they're both established. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But they're, I mean, they were both huge stars in the 70s. So this was this was a big movie for both of them. And uh, um, I can't remember when um, Midnight Cowboy came out in relation to this or um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but they were all right around here. And, and both of those movies were big for each, you know, Redford and Hoffman. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so 
we've got two really big name stars. We've mm -hmm. got a really big name subject. You know, this movie comes out in '76. Watergate is early '70s. Yes. Um, so it's only a few years since Watergate has been on everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. And then they come out with this film. Yes. Uh, so uh, I think that it makes a nice it makes a nice follow up piece to Spotlight in the in the sense of there is this genre this subgenre of newspaper reporters digging up the story. Yes. Um, and uh, while there are certainly films that precede this one, uh, this feels like a film that has kind of defined. And I think we'll see a lot of parallels between this and Spotlight. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of defined how this particular story gets told um, since this movie came out indeed so uh we are gonna head off we are gonna watch uh we're gonna watch all the president's, all the president's men. men i don't know why <laughs> some some stupid we're gonna some, watch humpty dumpty some movie blah blah and uh we will be back to talk more when uh when we we're done watching the film so we'll see you later yay And we are back. Many denials have been denied. A whole shit ton of cigarettes have been right? smoked. Oh, oh my as, God. As was observed numerous times, uh, not only by the characters in the film, but by those of us watching. Uh, and there was a lot of coffee consumed. A yeah. lot of coffee was consumed. So, uh, Jenna, you uh, need to tell us what you thought of the film. I really liked it. It was, it was very interesting. It was a very interesting way to walk through... Uh, the the revelation, like how how things came out, mm -hmm. like because um, and and just not even within the story, but like outside of the story, like well, there's this tiny piece, mm -hmm. and then there's this tiny piece, and then there's this slightly larger piece, and then nobody's gonna believe it. Nobody is believing this. What the hell? And then like just more and more and more has to to come out and become yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it was very interesting to see, and like you know, I was thinking, so what are what are people even thinking about it during these tiny piece process nobody's thinking about it <laughs> as was stated in the movie yeah nobody cares what, what do you no <laughs> so it, it was it was very interesting and and there were some some very lovely shots i thought oh um, yeah it's beautifully shot, uh maybe. both both uh for dramatic effect and for comedic effect because that yes. elevator with the cigarettes is yes. there is there any place you don't smoke <laughs> God. Um, so yeah, I loved those 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 kind of shots. Um, and the 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 way that the the reporting duo came about and how their relationship came about was mm -hmm. was pretty fantastic too. I liked that. And then the way that they would work and and how are we going to question this person? Okay, you're gonna you're gonna say uh, who was Pete? Well, we know Pete was Porter. Like, like you know, and just planning that ahead of time to yeah. to, to try to get that information. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of like manipulation in general. Like, I have like buttony things regarding manipulation, but. Watching how they did it was pretty fascinating. Well, yeah, there's a yeah. whole lot of social engineering going oh, on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, when hackers today talk about social engineering as the best way to get, you know, oh, passwords yeah. out of people and things oh, like yeah. that, it's it's all that they're doing. It's yep. the the just getting the nuggets of information mm -hmm. very slowly but surely out of whoever your target is. 
Yep. And, and, and I, even in, especially yeah. when you already know the information. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You always, you know, you don't let on that you know as much as you know, and then you know you just kind of yeah pick away at it. Yep. Very mm-hmm. slowly. And sometimes uh, you give away what you know mm-hmm. to see if you really know it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Because if you're wrong, there's a decent chance somebody's going to be like, "Uh, what? I I never said that." Mm-hmm. And you're oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, uh, well, I love all the character actors that, that you see yes. over and over again uh, in the years after this movie. And I'm not talking about Hoffman and Redford, although they obviously mm-hmm. have been appearing in film and still appear in, in film to this day. But Jason Robards, who was, was mm-hmm. a, this great character actor right up oh. until he passed away. Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Hal Phenomenal. Holbrook, who was nominated for an Oscar just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's for, he's still going. He's yeah. he's around he's like ninety one. He's he was just in Lincoln. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Oh my god. Uh, making yeah, go, making shit happen, yeah, Hal right. Holbrook. He's been around forever. He served um, in World War Two and he's still acting. He's Meredith amazing. Meredith Baxter, who yeah. later on was in Family Ties. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just just a, an amazing group of people that they put together for this movie. Jack Warden, Martin Balsam. It's mm-hmm. like the entire cast is you know, at at least you know that whole family of people at the top. Those are they're all character actors, aside from you know mm-hmm. Hoffman and uh, Redford being leading men. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I think the the interesting thing we were talking kind of the historical context, especially you know in relation to Spotlight. Uh, Spotlight, of course, just won the Oscar and was not seen by very many people. It mm-hmm. will probably be seen by more people now. But the thing that's interesting about Spotlight versus uh, versus all the president's men. Spotlight is about something that happened about 15 years ago. About mm-hmm. uh, you know this reporting that happened about 15 years ago, and it's also about a dying industry. Mm-hmm. It, it's an industry that was dying when the when the initial reported reporting happened, and is dying even more now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the mid 70s, I mean, newspaper was the was where journalists worked. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. was the true hotbed of journalism i mean yes there was there was televised journalism and that was important but newspapers were really the prestige Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. market for that it's two years after nixon resigns Mm -hmm. that this movie gets made it's starring the two biggest two of the biggest names in the in box office yeah. draw at that time robert redford was number one uh box office draw for Pretty much all the early seventies. Dustin Hoffman just won a Best Actor Oscar for Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, uh, within the previous couple of years, Uh, it was actually a little earlier. I I looked it up. Uh, Midnight Cowboy was like nineteen sixty seven, which 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 surprised me because it's like that's such a seventies movie. Yeah, I could have sworn it was a seventies movie. Wow. Yeah, it's like oh, I wouldn't have pegged that for late sixties. But anyway, Uh, but but anyway, but so you got he had just done Lenny. Okay. Which uh, was a phenomenal performance too, uh, playing Lenny Bruce. So that was kind of his yeah. thing. Phenomenal yeah. report of performances. That's kind of Dustin Hoffman's. Yeah, you know his his trade. But uh, so you've got that. You've got the fact that the book about, that the movie's based on by Woodward and Bernstein mm-hmm. is a huge bestseller. Mm-hmm. You know, so they re- this movie is so hot. Compared to Spotlight, which mm-hmm. is interesting, you know they they made a movie about 
breaking the Watergate scandal two years after it was the biggest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the movie comes out in 76, of course, and we're into another presidential election in 76, which I think also may have impacted the popular response to that film. Wait a second. Would, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say the math doesn't work. No, the w- math does work. Okay. Yeah. I can't add. So, you know, it, it, it's... It's, but the, the, again, you can see very much the similarities between this film and Spotlight. The way that that in both cases you've got reporters working on a story that is big, but they don't recognize how big it is, and they keep being pushed to dig further. In both cases, they're pushed to dig further by their editors, who are saying there's more to this mm-hmm. than what you've got on paper so far. Yes. We need more. We need to push further. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the reporters that are just like, okay, I'll go out and I'll, I'll find more and I'll find the, the the deeper story to the point that they break the story that people actually do care about because they didn't, again, didn't care about it no, when it's yeah. just, you know, a yeah. bunch of people on the committee to reelect the president going out and bugging the Democratic so the headquarters. Because Demo- yeah. at that point, it feels a little bit like, well, yeah, you know, it's politics. <laughs> well, especially, I mean, the climate, the political climate was very different in those days. Um, I mean, the American people were starting to not trust the government as much just because of the uh, Vietnam War. But um, nobody would have conceived the president is being corrupt (laughs) until this sort of thing happened. But Richard Nixon changed all that. Richard Nixon won his re-election by a landslide, like a ridiculous landslide, because he was up against George McGovern, uh, who who carried one state and district of Columbia. It it was like everything, like even Minnesota voted red. (laughs) That was how, how popular... Nixon was, and and more it was how unpopular McGovern was. Yeah, the Democrats McGovern, had a horrible candidate. Yeah, McGovern was lousy, and and um, they they had just a like fifteen people put their names in t- to be nominated for the Democratic ticket, and like Hubert H. Humphrey was up, and Eugene McCarthy was up, and and they kind of went for the quote safe candidate, as far as I understand it, and that's when they put up McGovern, and McGovern couldn't draw a vote, so. So they said, yeah. well, we've got all these people people voted for, but this guy feels safer. And even though nobody voted for him in the primary, I mean, it was a, yeah. I believe it was a floor, I, I don't remember. I was I was awfully young when it happened, but yeah. I, I, it was, uh, I, I believe that that was one where they didn't have all the delegates figured out when they got to the convention. And yeah, yeah I, because that's where the superdelegates came from. Yeah, yeah, um, it, exactly. It came out of this this which election. are which are by the way uh, uncommitted delegates they are not super delegates super delegates is a nickname all it means is yeah. they are delegates that are not committed by the primary or caucus system and they are permitted to vote for whomever they wish right um, right so they're it's a super delegate is kind of it it gives them more power than they have it's just people who don't have to vote Based on a primary or caucus, they can vote any way they want. Right. Which also means they can switch their vote any time they want. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I always picture super ge- delegates in capes. That'd be kind of cool. No capes. I can, no capes. I can imagine Walter Mondale in a cape. 
<laughs> Walter Mondale is a super delegate. He is. He uh, is but he's not. He's an uncommitted delegate. Well, but, yeah, because he's a former vice president. But anyway, that's politics. Yeah. Anyway, that's politics. Okay. Not that this but isn't about politics. I mean, this movie's either. about politics, and mm-hmm. it is. It it can be kind of confusing. There are so many names that mm. they're throwing out, and yeah. part of that oh, I God, think is yes. because they rely on the fact that the people watching the film when it comes out. Oh, this is all fresh. Know the all these names? Oh yeah. They know Haldeman. They know Libby. Mm-hmm. Liddy. They've Liddy. Excuse mm-hmm. me. They they've seen all these names in the papers as it becomes as you know other papers start picking up on what the post is writing mm-hmm. and reporting on it because it's clear that it's a huge story. So they've seen it all. They they have a, a an intimate knowledge of these these names. So. When you're watching the film now, I think it's a little harder as they're they're talking about this oh, sure. person and that person and the other person, who they never show you in the film. They just throw yeah. out these individuals' names. Well, I mean, it's not like you'd be able to get them to come in and perform or anything. Well, well no, they, they don't even they don't yeah. even cast actors to play yeah. the characters. Yeah, which yeah. is a fascinating storytelling idea that all we're seeing is the reporters talking to the people that are giving them the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, and and it I think it you know, it kind of gives you a feel now of you know like a sense feel of what Watergate was like in that uh, it was just it really was a scramble of names. There were so many people involved. It was a really complex story, and it 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 was just this messy money trail that they followed up until they figured out what was going on. But it 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 just had so many moving pieces. So you know, a lot of in a lot of ways, it's not in terms of the movie. It's not important to know who, which name is which as much as kind of to kind being of rec- fascinated by the process of un- unraveling this and mm-hmm. to recognize that uh, each time a new name gets introduced, it's higher on the food chain. Yes, that they're, yeah. they're slowly climbing up again. A parallel to Spotlight, where they're oh yeah they're starting with the priests and slowly climbing up the hierarchy of the Catholic Church to mm-hmm. recognize how it is much more than just a few priests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a system of covering up abuse, yeah. and in this case, it's much more than just money. It is a system of corruption that reaches all the way to the White House. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the thing about Watergate that's fascinating is, and it's, it's just one of those things about, that, that to me, it, it amazes me that politicians still don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> because if Nixon proved anything, what he proved is all he needed to do was say he knew about it, he didn't approve of it, and he did and not cover it up. Mm-hmm. Because Nixon found out and opted to cover it up and lie about it. Yep. If yep. he had simply come clean when he found out about it, he wouldn't have been forced to resign. He might have gone down as one of the more popular presidents in the history of our country instead of one of the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's how... And, and so, you know, you, you move forward to people like Clinton, who gets... Uh, impeached for lying about the fact that he had an affair. If he had just said, yes, I had an affair, I regret it, blah, 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 nobody would talk about that. Yeah. It, w- it would have been a done deal. He, w- he would have... And, and, it, it's ama- and so many politicians have this same problem that they get to a point where all they need to do is say, yes, 
I just found out about it. I had nothing to do with it. Or even I did do it. Mm -hmm. And and they don't. Um, and that's the, the movie doesn't... The, this movie is not focused on that piece of it. Well, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, maybe we didn't even have enough perspective to look back on it quite yet because it's so fresh. Yeah. I mean... Mm -hmm. But no, just the idea that, that Nixon... Yeah. Nixon gets forced <clears throat> to resign. Mm-hmm. Not because he did anything. Yeah, it's because he he didn't he didn't uh, do the the buck stops here thing. The yeah. the he didn't admit to it. He didn't. He didn't say. Yeah. I just found out about it and I put a stop to it. Yeah, I fired those guys. It's all cool. Yeah, it's all cool. Right. I fired <laughs> those guys. I've submitted all the evidence that I have to the proper authorities so they can be prosecuted. Yeah, that's all he had to yeah. do. Yeah, that's all he had to do, and he made the. One of the worst choices that a president, a sitting president, has ever made. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that's kind of the interesting thing. The Watergate, the, the, this movie doesn't even address that. It just says, oh, by the way, Nixon resigned. Mm -hmm. But again, I think there's a thing of the people watching the film knew full well. Oh, yeah. That was, that was the story of Watergate. And that's why Nixon was forced to resign. So... Uh, Melissa, of course, has pages and pages oh, of notes. Oh, I do. I do. Um, there's, right? there's a lot to say. Um, one of the... This is the first time I've seen this movie since we found out who Deep Throat was. That's true. Because yeah. uh, Deep Throat, uh, as portrayed in the movie, is played by Hal Holbrook. And um, at the time the movie was made, um, Woodward uh, himself went through the casting photos and picked who would play Deep Throat. Um, so... You know, he was basically looking at all the, the photos and, you know, without explaining his reasoning, it's like it should be Hal Holbrook. And it turns out he picked somebody who looked like the real Deep Throat. Because in 2005, uh, W. Mark Felt uh, came forward and said he was Deep Throat. Uh, w. Mark Felt was the deputy director of the FBI at the time. Oh. So the, the informant <laughs> is actually, was like the second in command of the wow. FBI. So when, when they say he has, you know, deep knowledge, they're not yeah. fucking kidding. <laughs> um, and it, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, Woodward, did, Woodward confirmed, I assume. Yeah, Woodward yeah. confirmed it. As soon as, it, yeah. as soon as he came forward and said, yes. I'm, I'm the... Yeah, yes, deep throat. And yeah. It, it only took him so long to come up because he was given a nick nickname like Deep Throat. Like, <laughs> I, I I find oh, it really interesting. God, I don't uh, want to own up to that. No, well, the, the, <laughs> the funny thing is, is okay. So, what the Watergate break-in happened in June 1972, right? Mm-hmm. Another thing that happened in June 1972 was that Deep Throat came out. Yep. The movie. The movie. The movie. The movie. <laughs> uh, Deep Throat, of course, being a porn film, and it was like the first... At the time, it was the most successful porn film. It may still be. Yeah, and uh, uh, I think as of just a few years ago, it might not be true now, it was the, the highest grossing movie ever made in Florida. <laughs> wow. but, but yeah it, it, it's a it's a very famous porn film in a, in a lot of ways it kind of mainstreamed porn huh. um it was the subject okay. of a lot of um it's still not worth watching on it's this not, podcast no. Wow. no 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 no, no. We're, not, <laughs> we're not going there but but yeah uh, so the um yeah the nickname that was given to the informant was timely in that way nice <laughs> but also a, not, a movie reference not entirely flattering <laughs> not entirely flattering <laughs> but yeah 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 
So yeah, they had, so so. Um, oh, Hal Holbrook. <laughs> but he he Poor does. Hal. I mean, uh, W. Mark Felt. Mm. If you look up his photo, he's the the photo on Wikipedia. It's like yeah, I could see him being played yeah. by Hal Holbrook. You know, he's kind of his face is a little longer, but you know, he's kind of got that, that little kind of the puffiness around his jaws. Oh, and see, of course, the, at the same the, time, you're like, why didn't Woodward pick somebody who looked nothing like Deep Throat so people couldn't figure out who it was? Well, I mean, you wouldn't mistake Felt for Holbrook <laughs> if you saw them side by look, side. Nobody made the connection. I, I would not. I would not. Yeah, nobody made the connection. I mean, there were suspicions that Felt was the informant just because of the level that the inf- of information that the informant he had to be. Him. He had to be of a he certain level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, but yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> uh, he he does look a little bit like Hal Holbrook. He does. Yeah. So, uh, also, this, uh, the, the script of this movie, which is sharp as attack, I love it. Oh, yeah. um, it was initially written by William Goldman. He did the first draft. And uh, as, as legend goes, it was heavily rewritten by uh, Bernstein himself, plus Nora Ephron, who he was dating at the time. <laughs> Nora Ephron being a uh, film director and writer. Um, she wrote know. when Harry met Sally. Yeah, she wrote when yeah. Harry met Sally. Oh. Um, yeah. Among other things, she nice. she passed away a couple of years ago. Oh. Yep, too. yep, not too long ago. Yeah, very sad. But they they penned a draft of the script, and then then that not much was kept on that. And you know there there were various rewritings uh, done by like the director and Robert Redford. And the the history of the script is really kind of screwed up. But it, a whole bunch of people contributed to it, and. Um, the script was heavily verified by independent sources just to make sure it had all of its facts right. Okay. Yeah. There were a couple of... Uh, kind of like the story it was telling. Yeah. There were a, a couple of scenes that were, you know, just for movie... Um, just uh, because of movie storytelling. There's the one... Uh, I think it's uh, Robert Redford hitting on... Uh, secretary but you know that's like eh, that didn't really need to be in there and apparently didn't happen but everything else is pretty much true i uh, wouldn't be surprised if the scene that where he's like getting spooked and running from the from the 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 parking garage mm-hmm. thinking that somebody's following him that that you know that's probably dramatic well possibly, well also i mean you know what if, if if i was involved in that investigation i'd probably have a couple of moments where it's like i'm kind of paranoid yeah, I'd be I can, well, I yeah. believe that, and I, I, I don't doubt that that's that's the case. I yeah. think that maybe him running because he's afraid he's going to be following followed didn't necessarily happen, even though they probably yeah. were very concerned. It's mm-hmm. like knowing how high it went, yeah. and and they're they're going after people who have bugged mm-hmm. offices, and <laughs> it's yeah. like they, yeah. so you, you can start <clears throat> to be worried that you're being followed, that you're being watched, that mm-hmm. you are running a risk of. Of being being you know either well, either killed interesting, or the technology oh yeah because because back then bugging you a lot of money now if you want to bug a house you just get like a baby monitor and you're all set yeah like yeah, yeah. I mean the the surveillance <laughs> things you can buy are like yeah. literally the size of a button a little tiny thing that you just stick somewhere this podcast is, is being bugged right now. No, but I, I can see that microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, uh, it's a big uh, microphone. It really is. All right, what else, what but, else but, is on your uh, your, uh, your oh, trivia here? But anyway, I was going to say oh. that the script is also only an adaptation of the first half of the book. Presumably, oh. the rest of the 
the rest of it is the you know the dominoes falling. I've never mm-hmm. read the book, but I, you know the the final yeah. bit with the the teletype at the end. It's like I presume that's the rest of the book right there. Yeah. Well, that was a brilliant way to cover passage of time. Too. Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because you got exact dates and you got just it's it's always the opening sentence mm-hmm. captures everything that happened. Like, but it's it's that. a nice point of going. You know. This is the point at which Deep Throat gives us all the information that's going to make the dominoes fall. Right. You no longer need to see the dominoes fall. You just right. are like, we've just gotten the last piece of information that's going to take all these people out. Yeah, and yeah. the only important thing is tipping over the first one. And then mm-hmm. all the rest goes. So, um, also, the uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of the teletype... Um, that wonderful opening shot with the, the super close-up typewriter yeah. keys hitting um, with the really loud sound. There was a lot of talk about the sound design at the time because uh, you know part of it being the um, those sounds coming from the keyboard, like the, they were um, typewriter sounds blended with gunshots and whip cracks. So, huh. And if you notice, like at the end with the teletype, the, the teletype uh, is... Um, you hear the sounds of the teletype over the 21-gun salute, so it's like, words are weapons, and you know, oh. that sort of thing. Oh, the pen is mightier oh. than the sword. The pen is mightier than the sword, you know, can bring yeah. down a president. Um, also... I'm just saying typewriters. Isn't that adorable? Typewriters! <laughs> what? Typewriters. Actually, one You're of my amazing. favorite, mon- in that last shot, and this is just me looking at it, um... The last shot they show Woodward and Bernstein and they're typing their stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Woodward is typing the two finger way. Yeah. And Bernstein is actually typing in the standard, you know, put yeah. all your <laughs> fingers on the t- typewriter and type the the way you're supposed to type. And I just like the fact that they created the and that may honestly be the way the two of them type. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they did a nice job of, of establishing a, a difference between the characters there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just well, that and Bernstein <clears throat> had a cigarette in his mouth. Well, I don't know how he didn't, always. I don't know how he didn't burn up his his stories. I don't know if it's like he was almost done typing a story and then all of a sudden. <laughs> I, I love sudden. that moment when uh, Bernstein, Bernstein's sitting in the uh, in Jason Robards' office and the the ash falls off his cigarette and Woodward's like, "Get damn it!" and he's like <laughs> sweeping the ash off the couch. <laughs> yes. Back in the back in the seventies, if you ever sat on vinyl furniture, there would just be scores of cigarette burns oh, yeah. just mm-hmm. melted into the surface. It feels like business that they, that they just came up with. Yeah, wow. But, uh, but uh, yeah, they, there are a whole bunch of little uh, touches through the film that are super fun. Also, very interesting. There's um, one of the phone calls, one of the like three different phone calls that they make in the movie. Um, the one where uh, the guy on the phone is saying, I've had a really distressing week. My neighbor's wife was kidnapped. That was a real deal. That was um, the, referring to... the That guy did live, I think, next door to Virginia Piper, who lived in Minneapolis. She was the wife of a politician here, if I remember right. But uh, she was kidnapped. She was released two days later in Duluth after her husband paid a million dollars in ransom. So that was wow, real. <laughs> the thing that happened. Yeah. I was and like, it, I kept expecting that to come back up somehow. Oh no, it, it was just a. It was just something else that happened that had nothing to do with the rest of the story. Yeah, but, and it was weird coincidence. Yeah, hmm. but but a- absolutely factual. Um, let's see what else. 
Um, I should probably talk about, yeah, you were mentioning, Jenna, that uh, how beautifully it was shot, and it, and it is. Uh, mm-hmm. This was a movie that was shot by Gordon Willis, who was uh, a fantastic, like, legendary cinematographer. He's the guy who shot The Godfather in Annie Hall in Manhattan, you know, a bunch of uh, early Woody Allen stuff, you know, Purple Rose of Cairo. Uh, he just died. He passed away in 2014 with, you know, huge library of work behind him. He never won an Oscar, but he did get an honorary Oscar in 2009. Regardless of the fact, in like the 1970s, like from like 71 to 77, seven movies that he worked on got a collected 39 Oscar nominations. Oh my God. Never won for him. It's kind Aww. of amazing. I mean, when you it's, think about, when you think about The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two and yeah. all the awards they won, you're like, how did they not win for cinematography? And it, it, where, it's did, beautiful. where did that happen? How did yeah. that occur? Yeah, but but the really interesting thing about this movie that Gordon Willis did is that this movie is like a poster child for split diopters. Okay, so what is? <laughs> <laughs> and now you now, dear listeners, you learn listeners. what a split diopter is. This is what it's okay. So Greg Toland uh, is the cinematographer who really kind of developed using them in film. He was the guy who. Uh, was a cinematographer for uh, for Citizen Kane and Grapes of Wrath, you know, 1940s. But he figured out this thing, uh, which is called the split diopter, and it's this circular lens-type contraption you actually put in front of the camera, right in front of the lens, and it's like half a lens. So one part is just, you know, clean, see-through, regular, and then the, the other half is half of a lens so you actually get different focus lengths out of each side and what gordon willis was doing in all the president's men is he had a rig where he could actually zoom and use the diopter at the same time so he could zoom in on a shot and still have a really close foreground element and keep it in focus and then have this deep focus on the other half of the screen, like going off into the newsroom to really get that depth, and he could still keep them both in focus. Nice. Yeah. So it was really cool. <laughs> that is cool. If you look up split diopter on uh, on Google and you flip over to the images, you just see like hundreds of photos of all the president's men. <laughs> split wow. diopter, yeah. dear listeners. Yes. Keep yes. that in mind. It's also a great word to use on words with friends. That's right. It, <laughs> seriously, Tim just wrote it down. I did. I did. Um, and I, So if you're playing words with friends with Tim. Diopter. Look that up now. And uh, I had also mentioned that the script was by William Goldman. William Goldman being the guy who wrote The Princess Bride. (gasps) So he was a guy that was happening. Yeah, he also did Marathon Man and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and Misery, Stepford Wives. Nice. Uh, He got an Oscar for this and he got an Oscar for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So. He's got um, some cred. He's got some cred. A lot of people in this movie's got some cred, and a lot of times they get cred from this movie. But um, Alan J. Pacula was the guy who directed this, and he's he's got a name that I don't think most people know now. And uh, he, but he was a fairly high-profile guy in the '70s and '80s. He did this, and he did Sophie's Choice. He did Clute. Um, Clute. He, I'm sorry, I just like saying Clute. Clute's great. Clute. <laughs> he, he was nominated for a Best uh, Director Oscar for this, and uh, for he he 
he worked on To Kill a Mockingbird, but not as director. I think he was yeah. a producer, but he has an Oscar nomination from that, too. Um, he died in a really weird way. He w- In 1998. Yeah, I know. Somebody's yeah. got to die here. Well, right. Yeah, we always yeah. got to talk about somebody dying. Yeah, he, in a weird way. He Or horrific. He um, in 1998 he was driving down the road one day and a metal pipe w- was like kicked up by a, a car in front of him and it smashed through the window the windshield of his car and smacked him in the head and he ran off the road and that was the end of him. Did the pipe kill him or did the crash kill him? I don't know and uh. I don't think it really matters. <laughs> you know when you get when you get hit um, in the head with a pipe and then you run off the road. Random. You're just yeah dead. Uh, but he was known as an actor's director. He directed uh, eight actors to Oscar nominations, and three of them won. Um, oh. You know, several, a few of those nominations from this movie. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the director. So, anyway, we've got Hoffman, and we've got Redford, right? Yeah. Now, Robert Redford, as I said earlier, was, like, the, the biggest male actor of the time he he huge. was tops he was huge he, he was just in butch cassidy and the sundance kid he was in the sting like two years before this and yep. the sting was huge um yeah he he's one of those guys where uh you know he was the the young troubled kid and then he you know wandered around as a drifter uh during his college what would have been his college years and he worked in the oil fields and then he saved up money and he went to art school in Paris. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. And then he, you know, came back and he was a uh, theatrical designer in New York City, eventually started being cast in TV shows, you know, like one here and one there. And then it his his uh, career just suddenly got Someone traction. Went, well, look at that pretty yeah. face. Yeah, and uh, I believe it was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid that made him a superstar. Because <clears throat> that, that just launched him Makes into sense. stardom. Uh, but beyond that, in the years since this movie, he, he has become a really talented director. He's a mm. great yep. director. Uh, uh, he, he won an Oscar for Reds? Um, that oh. was Warren Beatty. Oh, sorry. Warren Beatty. Yeah. He won, no, he, he won an Oscar for Ordinary People. Ordinary People, which is mm. a really messed up film. Um, uh, wait, no, no, no. He didn't win. He was nominated. Or did he win? Well, he directed Ordinary People. He directed actors that direct always win Oscars. Yeah. He must have won something. He so got an honorary Oscar in two thousand two, which seems to imply to me that he never actually won anything. Well, certainly not for acting. Not for acting, did. which is kind of sad. He's quite a good actor, but um, he directed Quiz Show, which is another great movie. We should probably watch that at, at some time. But anyway, he also founded the Sundance Film Festival. Oh, so when they talk about Sundance, oh. you know, being just he did win Best Director for Ordinary People. Okay, all right, yep. excellent, excellent. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was 69, 1969. 1969, that makes sense. So, uh, he's also, I mean, I think the important thing about his, about Redford is he established the Sundance Film Festival, yep. which is a, yeah. a film festival that in Utah that has really done a ton to advance mm-hmm. independent film. Independent oh, film. absolutely, so um, much, yeah. yeah. It, it's a huge influence on the industry. Yeah, it's it's. I I don't know if what's bigger than that, Con or or Sundance. <laughs> oh, these Con, days. Con and, and uh, uh, Sundance have very different purposes. They do, but what? Yeah, but but uh, Sundance is very much uh, supportive of independent filmmakers. And just so you know, he'll be appearing in the remake of Pete's Dragon coming out. <laughs> 
this yeah. year. He was just in a superhero movie too, wasn't he? In Captain America: The Winter Soldier. That's right. He was in he Winter was Soldier. In the Winter Soldier. Oh my yes. God. Yes. The man is is not done. Yeah. He's and, not done. And same with Hoffman. You know, Hoffman's voicing Kung Fu Panda movies right now, but uh, which is just that's delightful. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Hoffman, uh, you know, came from a Jewish family in L.A. He dropped out of college and started acting because. I, I think he said something like uh, they wouldn't kick you out of acting class. So um, eventually, you know, he he got traction in the late 60s. He he was in The Graduate. Um, and uh, I, th I think The Graduate Ironic. was his first big movie. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen The Graduate? I don't think so. Oh, that no, might be a good one. To do that one, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, but anyway, so The Graduate, and um, he was in Marathon Man, and, you know, um, Midnight Cowboy. He was, um, I believe he was nominated for Midnight Cowboy, but he didn't win. I think his two Oscars are for Rain Man and for Kramer versus Kramer. I but know he, you're right about Rain Man, but, but he, let, let let me take a look. I am I am. Uh, but he was also the details on the computer. He bit. was also nominated for Lenny. I know that, and he was nominated for Tootsie, and he lost Tootsie because uh, he lost to Ben Kingsley for Gandhi, which he also wanted to play. But anyway, can oh. you imagine Dustin Hoffman playing Mahatma Gandhi? Yes, please. <laughs> Oh my that's God. kind of horrifying, really, to me. <laughs> no, that but... sounds fantastic. I'm in. I'm sold. I want to see You are that. correct, by the way. Kramer versus Kramer and Rain Man are okay. his two Oscars. Okay. And uh, fun fact, he used to be roommates with Gene Hackman, and they used to run up into the top of their apartment complex and play drums together. So Nice. So Imagine that. That's, that's all you need to know about Dustin Hoffman. Right? So... Uh, we are we are getting very long, so we should yeah, probably sorry. start start wrapping up. But can, uh, can I just have a moment with Jason Robards? Oh, you, oh, please! Okay. Um, Jason I've Robards. said that before, but in different ways. What? <laughs> well, you, have you heard his voice? Oh, uh, God, I have a thing for voices. <laughs> mm, mm, okay, so Jason Robards is the actor who did win an, uh, an Oscar for this movie, and man with a huge career. Um, he was in Once Upon a Time in the West and Philadelphia and Magnolia. Uh, something Wicked This Way Comes. Like, if you were a kid in the 80s, he was in a bunch of stuff yeah. like that. He was in Torah, Torah, Torah. <laughs> um, he, if I remember right, he had a kid with Lauren Bacall at some point. Because, oh. you know, good for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's. I think he is still the only guy who has won consecutive Best, Actor support, or Best Supporting Actor Oscars. Because he won for this, and then the next year he won Best Supporting Actor again for Julia. He's also one of the very few people who has a triple crown. He has an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Tony. Oh. But no Grammy. But but no Grammy, <laughs> even with that voice. Uh, he even had triple crown nominations in 1978. Like, he was up for all three awards in the same oh year. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, wow. And uh, here's a fun fact. Jennifer Jason Lee, the actress who we um, who we've seen in uh, in in in, 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 in yes, yeah, that was Jennifer Jason Lee, yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, the Jason in her name is from his name. Oh. He was a family friend, and she respected him a lot, and she just plugged his nice. name right. By the way, uh, nice. yes, Jason Robards had one child with Lauren Bacall. Yes, Ooh, I remember that. Well mm. done, man. Uh, Yes. So, so yeah, that that that's what I got. 
All right. So we're going to call that your final thought okay. and say, hey, Jenna, <laughs> what's your final thought? Oh, my God. I don't even know. I just know that when we're done recording, I'm going to go smoke a bunch of cigarettes, drink a bunch of coffee, and get some McDonald's. Like, that's, <laughs> that, that's what I'm taking. Ladies away. and gentlemen, all the president's men. <laughs> Smoking. The best friend of McDonald's since right. 1976. Oh, oh, my God. That McDonald's meal was enormous. In it the movie. was. There were six cups on that. I'm like, what, what are you doing with six people? Cu- what do you do? Okay, two people, six There's cups. There's three refills. You use the same cup. There weren't free refills at the time. Then. That's that's a new thing. That's a newer thing than nineteen. So there must have been like coffee, water, and a shake, and that baffles me. But well, mm. <laughs> well, like I reporters. can see for breakfast, you get coffee, you get your orange juice, you need some water. Did they? But, I don't but know. But McDonald's they were, was doing breakfast in seventy six. No, they 76. weren't. They, those were like quarter pounders too. Oh yeah, no, yeah. no. There was yeah, there was, was a, there were, they wouldn't have had coffee. There was a rapper that said hamburger, just like <laughs> hamburger. All right, so uh, my final thought, of course, is to let you know what's coming up next. After this fabulous movie, we are going to be moving, moving on to Grizzly Man. Grizzly Man will be our next film uh, that will be approximately 15 days from now. So thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our trip through all the President's Men. We'll catch you next time. Yay. Yay. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Deep, deep.